Hello and welcome back in the trenches. We are live from Phoenix, Arizona with a special guest. He is one third of the Stay Hot podcast, a known corn expert and has over 400,000 followers across TikTok, Twitter and YouTube. Welcome to the show, Matthew Sponauer. Matt, let the people know what do you got going on? What do I got going on? Oh, I got my Twitter. It's SpawnHourM. I got TikTok, and I got uh, Stay Hot, the podcast. Outside of that, I'm gearing up for another week of college football. I might be going to the Cincinnati-Miami game. I might not. We'll see. I will be going to the Oklahoma-Cincinnati game in a, in a week, but that's what I got. Yeah. What do you got going on? Hey, man, same old, same old. I mean, it's it's awesome having you on as a guest. Last week, I don't know if you caught that, but it was Rico Nose uh, was the guest. Uh, so we'll, we'll be comparing your performance uh, in the picks today to Rico's from last week. So no, no pressure on that front at all. But, uh, but big had pressure. Some, but big yeah, pressure. main pressure because we all know. Does he know? He knows. But uh, had some car troubles, actually, last weekend on the way up to uh, – I drove to Lubbock. I went to the Texas Tech Oregon game. Mm -hmm. My uh, college car, college car, four years, just crapped out, man. Just the engine started smoking and uh, took it into the shop, and they were like, this this is never going to drive again. Damn, so what are you doing? Yeah, um, I actually, one of my friends came in incredibly clutch. Their like, little brother uh, is uh, looking to sell his car because he doesn't need it uh, at his college place, so they said that they'd sell it to me for relatively cheap, so... I, I already bought a plane ticket. I'm going back to because I'm from Oregon actually initially, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back there, get a new car, um, and then drive it back down here. Which the tickets were insane. I found a ticket for thirty five dollars through Spirit Airlines. One way, there's a chance I don't make it, a chance I die, but you know, pretty good. Yeah, like I'm just no, thinking, thirty five is pretty strong. Yeah, but you're thinking like, what? Where are they cutting the costs here? <laughs> As long as I don't see it, I don't care where they're cutting the cost. Yeah, true, honestly. Uh, if you're watching it on the TikTok Live, you're not going to be able to hear Matt, so go ahead and hop over to the YouTube. We're at CF Budge, so you can see and hear Matt and enjoy the show in its entirety. But the way we like to start things off with our guests here, Matt, uh, best thing you saw this week doesn't have to be football-related or even sports-related. What's the best thing you saw? Not football or sports related. Best thing I saw, um, there was like a huge leaf bug in my house. That was pretty sweet. You know what I'm talking about? Like the bugs that like disguise themselves as leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like the I same had, vein. I as... had one of those. I had one. Of, I, I, I was going to say Monday Night Football, but if it doesn't have to be football, we're going to be talking about all the football games. It was. It was probably the big bug. I, I get crazy bugs in my house. I get. I had a praying mantis. We get grasshoppers. Wow, I mean that's pretty crazy. What's like the biggest bug flex you have out there? Probably, probably the praying mantis. I saw a beaver outside of my house one time. I swear to God. Hell yeah! I mean that's perfect, man. Beavers are plentiful in Oregon, at least a little more common. But uh, I think the biggest bug flex I have—I don't know if it even qualifies as a bug. It's like the the big banana slugs. We get those in Oregon. Really? I don't know if you've ever I seen see, those. I feel those like, like living in the Pacific Northwest would be cool. I've always wanted to visit there. It is cool. You should. I mean, Ohio, that's that's rough, man. That's just I mean, you get leaf bugs. That's cool. We get leaf bugs. We have but, uh, there's actually a bunch of lizards in Cincinnati. It's a bit's like a There's a ton of lizards. In the 60s, some kid went to Italy and like on vacation and brought back like 10 or so lizards 
And now Cincinnati has millions of lizards from just like the few that that kid brought back. All from one one kid in the 60s. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Is the kid still alive? Do they know who it was? I think they know who it was. I don't know if they're alive. Okay, that's interesting. Now, yeah, I mean, I, when for some reason, whenever I picture Ohio, I just picture entire, like, like just a whole state of, like, urban hell. I don't picture any wildlife. Is that accurate? Uh, it depends on where you are. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, suburbia. I kind of grew up in suburbia, uh, Columbus, around there. Okay. But, uh, you know, in Cincinnati, it's pretty pretty compact and dense and urban and it's like a lot of um sort of like 1910s 1890s sort of houses with a lot of uh, stone walls that they go in the cracks of the stone walls and stuff like that it's pretty hilly around here okay and and do you subscribe to the uh the ohio memes or do you get that often no no i i don't i don't know if i i relate to ohio as much as i do cincinnati I do consider myself a Cincinnati guy, but I, I don't consider myself an Ohio guy, if that makes sense. No, that, that does actually make sense. And I honestly, I respect you more for that now that I know that information. But best thing I saw this week, uh, I went with a sports-related one. I, I copped out. I said, Jordan Love, he looks really, really good, man. And I don't know if there was something beneath the surface that you saw as a, an NFL guru, but uh, go Pack Go, man. I love what I saw. Yeah, he had a couple of nice... Um arm angly throws in there which going into it i I almost think at least on stay hot theo was was very much tapped into jordan love obviously kind of expected him to be able to sit back in the pocket and and make you know throws and clean reads and not do anything stupid but to see him uh, create a little bit more is a big deal because it's still a question mark about where does he fall on the scale of creatability you know you can be really good uh, just, you know, sitting in the pocket and getting through your reads and all that uh, and be, you know, Jared Goff, who's probably a mid-tier quarterback. And, you know, you can be not that great at necessarily sitting in the pocket and be pretty good. So that's good stuff from Love. Yeah, there we go. I mean, it was the Bears, so I guess that's not saying a terrible amount. But we'll, we'll learn more as the, as the year goes on. A tough loss for your Panthers, man. I was really pulling for them. Yeah, they're going to be bad this year. It's going to be a rough year. Uh, losing J.C. Horn, their cornerback depth is terrible. Uh, Bryce Young doesn't have many weapons, and I think he's going to struggle more as a rookie. Not that I'm like out on him or anything, but I think he's going to struggle more as a rookie than people expect. Uh, I don't think the team has a clear identity. I'm just hoping that they look better week 18 than they do week one. Hey, man, that's what we got to look for. At least the rule era is over. Uh, he's doing things at Nebraska now. I know you, you, oh, you kind of mentioned my- it. God, dude, he's doing, and he's going right back to it. It's, it's like, oh, we, we have two losses. It's like, well, guys, this takes a long time. Don't ask him about Jay Z. Is all I'm going to tell you, dude. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's just like he's got to. I can't believe he did not learn that that is not a good thing to say in a press conference. I can't believe that he's still doing that stuff. And I it, think yeah. that rule is a, is a talented college coach. Obviously, he he did well at Baylor. He did well at Temple, but. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know. And they've not looked good. I, I know their whole quarterback situation vaguely. He chased out somebody else who transferred. And now, I mean, it's it's a disaster. Yeah, I mean, it's been a disaster so far. And for me, the thing with Matt Rule is you initially you look back to his early years at Temple and Baylor and you say, oh, OK, well, they were dreadful in those first years. So it takes time. But 
then you look and you say, well, there is the transfer portal, there is NIL, there is all this other stuff. So, like, should it be alarming that this time, even with all that stuff, they still look that bad? Especially because he went and got his quarterback. You're right. He literally chased out. The guy was Haynes King. He chased him out of town. Or was it Haynes King? No, no, no. It was Casey Thompson. Sorry. Casey Thompson, who's now at FAU, actually. But, uh, yeah, they've looked pretty pretty stinking bad. And at first, I was kind of a Matt Rule defender, even after the first game, where I was like, hey, man, don't group the one-score losses with Scott Frost, right? He's not Scott Frost. But uh, it Sims just looked, like, horrible. I, I mean, we're talking about catching snaps, you know? Yes. I don't even know what to say about that. And then he had, like, the college quarterback classic interception laid on an out route, you know, horror, like where it's like, it's, Oh, the guy's open. Like, and then the, the corner running. Yeah. Just horrible yeah, I stuff. Mean, I remember Ben Bryant did the exact same thing week one against Arkansas. Um, and you'll see college quarter. They do that all the time. And a lot of them don't have the arms to get it out, uh, outside of the numbers like that really. So sometimes I won't even be that late. It's just their window to hit those throws is so short. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a disaster. Their offense is horrifying. Yeah, absolute disaster. Shout out to my friend. Uh, oh, you actually probably met Michael uh, Donahue. Uh, he's a Nebraska fan. You might have met him one of these times you were in Phoenix. But uh, shout out Ben Bryant. Like you said, he's at Northwestern now. So shout out him. Uh, but you have uh, a couple of flags hanging up behind you right now. We've got the the Cincinnati Bearcats, the Ohio State Buckeyes, South Carolina Gamecocks. Many of your followers, I'm sure, know that your fandom of those three schools, but I'm sure you might get this pushback frequently, people saying, it's not okay to be a fan of multiple schools. And and I just got to know, what do you say to those people? You know, it's interesting. I actually don't get that much hate for being like a bandwagon for rooting for three colleges because I'm a Hornets and Panthers fan, and my MLB team is the Reds. You know, it's like – I. If I was bandwagoning, I could do a hell of a lot <laughs> better job than this. If I was bandwagoning, True. I would, like just root for Ohio State. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm from South Carolina. When I grew up, my whole mom's side of the family was Gamecocks fan. That was the thing to be. I mean, I grew up right outside of Columbia. But my dad, he's from Ohio. He went to Ohio State, and then we moved to Columbus when I was like 10 years old. So the thing to be was an Ohio State fan, and – Maybe maybe after I went to Cincinnati, I should have been like, well, I, I won't root for those teams anymore. <laughs> but I just do care when they lose. So, yeah, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, South Carolina, Clemson, it's a big deal to me. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't change what well, I, I think it was the quote it. you said. Yeah, you can't change the heart. The heart feels what the heart feels <laughs> when it comes to those. I really want Ohio State to beat Michigan this year, so. Yeah, I, I, that's gonna I'm, be. I'm there for the. I'm there for the pain as well as the wins. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least if you're present for the pain, that's admirable. It's interesting because I, I talked to one of my buddies about this. I grew up an Oregon State fan, and I went to ASU, and I like I graduated ASU or whatever. But for some reason, when ASU loses a game, it doesn't pain my heart in the same manner in which when Oregon State loses a game. It's because there's no stakes. Who cares? I felt like I felt <laughs> about this for the, for the Gamecocks for a long time until just recently. 
it's just like if they're winning four games a year, I just don't care. You know, it's like if they lose, it's not a big deal. Even like the Panthers or the Hornets, I'm huge fans of those teams, but it doesn't really pain me when they lose because I, I just don't have that high expectations for either of them. I probably would have felt the same way about Cincinnati football if they had kept on the the path they were on when I got there, but they've pretty much been fantastic ever since I moved to Cincinnati. So now I'm, for life, very concerned about every game. Yeah, that's true, man. I mean, yeah, ASU has just been painfully mid to below mid the entire time I've been here. I mean, you got to Cincinnati like right at the – right time when you're talking like if you invested low bought low and and uh stock went up i mean cincinnati that's like they were like a perennial six win team i feel like probably when you got there and four games the year the year before i i went to cincinnati my senior year of high school i have not been to a game that they've lost i'm 16 and 0 that's that's pretty unbelievable actually uh shout out your boy luke fickle who uh unfortunately has left the program but uh We'll, we'll I'm talk. not mad at him for it. No, you I'm can't be. He followed the money. Oh, yeah. Followed the money. Uh, another uh, key detail to uh, some of your social media is I know it's the Twitter in particular. Uh, you've got bring back BCS in the bio, which is an absolute hot-button topic. When we're talking college football, people are, you know, I think the, the debate is between expansionists and anti-expansionists, and the unique argument of bringing back the bcs and just ditching the playoffs altogether gotta hear your reasoning for that well at at the end of the day what it comes down to is it devalues regular season games too much to expand and i i think we've kind of lost sight of why we even went to four teams we didn't go to four teams for some like massive playoff system we went to four teams because two teams wasn't enough because occasionally there would be a third team that got left out that had an argument for being the national champion. And that's why we went from one to two as well. That's why we went from just like declaring a national champion to playing a championship game because there'd just too often be multiple teams that had a serious claim to being the national champion. At the core, college football is meant to be your season is the regular season. That's what it's supposed to be. And I know that people think that more playoff games will lead to more craziness, or maybe they don't. I, I can't really get a handle on what exactly 12-team playoff people think because when it's Alabama and Clemson the national championship, oh, see, if we had a 12-team playoff, there'd be more upsets. This wouldn't happen. But when there's an upset in TCU's in the national championship, oh, you see, if there was 12-team playoff, this would never happen. I, I mean, it's it, it, it flips to whatever people want it to be. And I, I really think it's because people are just not analyzing exactly how this type of thing plays out. I mean, most arguments boil down to more games will be good or more teams will be good because it's more games and it'll balance recruiting, which I just don't think that it will. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you 100%. It's one of the reasons I wanted to, to hear your thoughts on it. I'm. What's hilarious is I feel like I was in kind of a casual backseat mode when they first announced it, and I was kind of just like, yeah, yeah, let's go, 12 teams. But yeah, the more the more you digest it, the more you think about it, the more I realize like, oh, okay, can we please go back? Like, I don't want to be sitting there watching Michigan and Ohio State play, and guess what? It's not going to matter who loses this game because they're both in the playoffs anyways, and they're like, you've got you know got the home field advantage in the first round, which is like kind of fun, 
but at the same time, it's just like a lot of these games are going to be blah. You're going to be in a situation where you've got a – honestly, the dumbest part of the whole thing to me is the auto bids for like conference champions. Like that's going to be so stupid because this year it would have been Utah, like a three-loss Utah and a three-loss Kansas State would have had buys in a 12-team. Yeah, I, the the whole structure of it too is just so poorly thought out. And, and what people need to understand is like, if you're for it, that's fine. But to be clear, the people who are making it are not doing it for any sort of like honorable. We need to see no. BYU in the playoffs, <laughs> or it's unfair. It's exclusively for money. I yes. Mean, the, the whole buy system, but you have to win your conference championship game. Buys aren't even an advantage. They aren't. Yeah. You know why Notre Dame is fine not being in a conference because the buys don't matter. Who cares? You play. You have to play an extra game for the potential to skip a game. It doesn't make any sense. And there is uh, some yeah. sort of loose advantage to it. There is some sort of loose advantage to it where, okay, yes, technically you get like a mulligan, basically. If I'm going as the the you know, number one team, I basically get two, I'm four wins away from winning the national title and I get two shots at the first game. But there could also be scenarios where I'm ranked number eight at the end of the season and now I have to go play my conference championship game and it's a must win game. So you're still four wins away from the championship and you can't lose any of them. It's not an advantage. So I I just, there's a lot that goes into it, I think. Um, but but the core of it is that you're not really creating more excitement. You're just taking it from the regular season. At the end of the day, you have a certain amount of eliminations. And I just think making it more top-heavy is just going to make the regular season more boring. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I think that, to me, I thought one of the biggest keys to parity in college football, it's not it's not the postseason format. It's not changing the number of teams that have a shot at it. Because you watch, you watch the number two team versus the number seven team, and it's usually like a 56 to 10 beatdown, like 40%. Like there's usually only one to three teams that are capable of winning in a given year. And honestly, the biggest key for parity is, is recruiting. But like recruiting is just an entirely different thing. And the funniest part is, is like, I think the joke is college football both fixed and broke itself this year because NIL has like absolutely evened out the recruiting landscape. Like all of the Florida schools are recruiting better than ever. All of the Texas schools are recruiting great. Bama and Georgia aren't able to just march into these key states and steal guys because now everyone has to balance an NIL budget. And it's just so funny because it's like we fixed it, and right when we fixed it, we're like, all right, let's go to 12 so Bama can win it every year. Yeah, and it's not like I think the playoffs themselves will be bad. That's that's maybe my key. It's like I think the playoffs will be good. The 12 team itself, although there's going to be your blowouts, of course. It's just that, you know, again, we don't need to bring it to 12 because we know – we know we don't have more than four at the end of any season. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, think about, I think about Cincinnati making the playoffs that year and how awesome that was to be in school during that and to go to all those games. If, if Cincinnati had been able to lose a game and get in, that would have killed it, man. That would have killed it. If Ohio State – like, Ohio State football – is interesting for the sake of they could blow an Iowa game, they can blow a Purdue game, they can blow a Michigan State game. That's what makes a lot of the season exciting. And I think you're taking away a lot of that 
by by going to twelve. Yeah, I mean, even last year with the, um, even last year with the fourteen playoff, Ohio State lost that game to Michigan and still ended up in the playoff, and that felt to me felt weird. Even that was like this doesn't this almost doesn't feel right. And I can remember when they had that like lead versus Georgia, it was like, what do we even do? Like, what do we even do if if these guys win this game? I mean, because because at that point we knew that that Michigan had lost, so. A, a, a national championship, but you lost to Michigan. I, I just don't get it. It would, it would, it would feel wrong and weird. I know that some people will say it gives, like, oh well, the excitement will be away from the top teams. But then, in like that twelfth spot, teams that are fighting for that, teams that are fighting for that, they're going to um, have an opportunity, and that's where the excitement will be. But to be completely honest, if you're fighting for the twelfth spot, you probably aren't a contender, and you can't win. And yeah. when a team does win, uh, when a team does win from outside of the top four seeds, which will happen, it's probably going to be two loss Alabama or two loss Georgia or two loss Ohio State. It's probably not going to be Utah or something, you know. And, and I, I would even argue, if you wanted to set up a system where underdogs had the best chance to win the national title, the BCS is actually easier when it comes to actually winning True. the national title you're much better off trying to go undefeated in the regular season and then pulling off one upset. I mean, Ohio State in 2002, 2003, you put them up against, you know, three more tough games. They're not, they're not going to go out and win all those. But you tell them you just got to win out against the guys you have on your schedule and then you got to pull off one upset. That's much easier. So, I'm with you on that one. I mean, you look at – it was like 2007 when uh, – uh, Kathy was Kansas and West Virginia or, or might have been West Virginia, Missouri were the two teams set up to play in the title. They ended up losing like their last regular season game, but because of the system, just fluky stuff like that can happen, which is which is one of the, the great parts of college football, I think. The fact that you can just have the two not best teams in the country playing for the national title. Absolutely. And, and I mean, some people will look at that and say they had this great season and they didn't have a chance. And that always bothers me because it's like you do have a chance. It's just in the regular season. Like, that's your chance. And if you blow it at the end of, end of the year like that, people hate it. But if you get into the 12-team playoff and then you blow it, it's fine. I, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So um, the 2024, let, let's move forward to the to the next segment. We hammered home the, the playoff argument. I think um, – it seems like we both agree on that, so we're just we're just agreeing with each other back and forth. But uh, this 2024 crop of quarterbacks is a pretty exciting class, I think, for a lot of people, a lot of NFL fans especially. Um, how does this class compare to some of the recent classes? Do you think, you know, I don't know, this is the best class since when, potentially? Or maybe you could just compare it to last year. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. I think Drake May and, and Caleb Williams would both have gone number one overall last year. I think that's pretty pretty likely. I think there would still be people making an argument for Anthony Richardson, um, but I, I I can't see a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud going over either of those two guys. They're very different, um, but may has all the tools and he's very very good in the pocket and he pressure doesn't bother him too much he can make throws off platform uh, and and he's very good at understanding like leverage and things like that williams is just the absolute total gamer uh, 
I mean, you know both those guys. But even some of the depth I, I, I don't hate. Um, particularly Quinn Ewers I've been high on for a while. But then you also got guys uh, who probably are more intriguing than sort of the later guys of last year, which would be like Bo Nix and Penix and I guess J.J. McCarthy, who's been really balling out this year, as much as I hate to say it. <laughs> Spencer uh, Rattler, I, I don't know. I think I'm more interested in a lot of those guys than I were in the in the dudes coming up last year. We'll see Spencer. as the season goes on and as I, as, as I dive into those guys a little bit. But I think it's better. Yeah, I mean – yeah, we'll absolutely see. Did you mention uh, Michael Penix Jr.? I, I, or Penix Jr., sorry. Okay, okay, good. I just want to make sure we gave um, him his... I feel like from when I've watched him, his arm strength is only so-so. This is a very uh, touchy topic when you're talking about quarterbacks because there isn't a single quarterback in the world where people won't defend their arm strength because, of course, everybody's had like a 50-yard 50, 50 throw down the field. Uh, but I, I haven't really watched him enough uh, for me to call it as much, like or, or stand on it, but I feel like that's what I thought when I first watched him. Yeah, no, that's completely valid. He seems like a, a prototypical uh, college quarterback. I'm getting I'm getting messages saying the YouTube stream might be uh, not not working right now, which is it, that it for some reason always gives me trouble, man. You are recording this though, I, uh, but Matt, it's time to make some rapid fire predictions. Um, based on limited knowledge from these games and purely off of vibes, I've got six of them in the queue here uh, of of kind of the biggest games for this weekend, uh, and I'm gonna throw them at you. And based on you know whatever criteria you feel necessary, make these picks here. Uh, the pressure is on. Rico knows went six and two last week. Taking Penn State. I mean, Allers looked pretty good. I wasn't that the big question for them. Um, that was. I feel like I've I've read up a little bit that maybe Penn State was struggling at receiver, but I'm not I'm not gonna have the guts to to pick Illinois. My 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 uh my my loose thought going into this is that Penn State is maybe the most serious they've been yet. I think that's a valid takeaway. We got number fourteen LSU at Mississippi State. There's some upset watch there. There's some upset watch there. I I am not the biggest. Um, I can't even think of his name. It's slipping me. LSU's head coach. Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly, yes, thank you. I'm not the biggest fan of him for a number of reasons. Was it the TikTok video? It's partially the TikTok videos. I don't think that helps those guys at recruiting at all. I think those guys, I think the players look at that and like, that's dorky. I don't like that. No, that might be true. They still reeled in like a top five class, though. So. Oh, fair enough. (laughs) it's, it's, It's not translating to the field. That's true. That's this true, and you can one hundred percent. You can argue that. What's uh, what's your pick? I'll probably go LSU. Okay, two two favorite picks here. We got number fifteen, Kansas State at Missouri. At Missouri, I mean that's the, now we're getting into like purely. I know absolutely nothing about the team. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. I'll go Kansas State. Okay. Usually now. Okay, there we go. Yeah, Kansas Missouri. Yeah, I mean they've they've gone six and seven each of the last two years. Uh, they have had a couple ugly wins to start the season, but their coach needs this win pretty badly. Otherwise, he's he's probably getting canned. But we got uh, Minnesota at number 20, North Carolina. North Carolina really surprised me when they played South Carolina. Um, I thought their defensive line looked fantastic, or the Gamecocks' offensive line looked really bad. 
Um, but it was it was a pretty statement win, and, and and their offense was really cooking. And I I do believe Drake May is is going to be you know the number one or number two overall pick, and and that that's a big advantage to have. So I, I don't really trust Minnesota's offense all that much to keep up, and you only really need to break off a couple of big plays. So I'll go North Carolina. Yeah, no need to trust Minnesota's offense after that masterclass they put on against uh, Nebraska. Not not looking too sharp there. No, that that's one I watch, and I don't believe I'm going to pick Minnesota to do all that much. All right, next up we got eight Washington traveling to play Michigan State. Uh, full context here. Have you heard what no. happened with yeah. Michigan State? I, I look, I look I, my my college football knowledge is when I when I watch the games, like I know my teams, and I I do sit down and watch games. I just don't, you know, you can only watch one game at a time, and I'm never sitting there trying to like go and rewatch Kansas State, Mizzou, or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I do keep up, and I do not like. I'm not picking Michigan State after this disaster. I think that team's going to be kind of reeling, and I don't think they're a better team. So I'll go Washington pretty easily there. All right, and then the last game on the slate here, we got 11 Tennessee at Florida. And Florida is is not a team I have much belief in. I think Tennessee, pretty high powered offense. No, I'm I'm a bit, I'm a Milton guy. I think he'll at least be able to do what Hendon Hooker was doing last year. Um, I didn't think he was bad in the bowl game that he played a couple of years ago. This is not a good week for the rapid-fire crazy ones. This is like the worst week of college football, week three, no? No, it, it is, man. You've got one, two, three, four, five, five games where it's just a, a top 15, 10 team going on the road against a team that you like otherwise wouldn't necessarily pick, especially if you're not – hyper-focused on Missouri or Mississippi State or Illinois. So you're in a position here, Matt, to look really stupid or just perfectly competent. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with all the favorites this week. I would love, I, I'd love to tell people that, like, oh, I know this secret upset's going to happen. And if we were talking, like, last week, you could really dive into Texas, Alabama or something. But uh, Oh, yeah. I, it, there's, there's just I can't force, I can't force a shot here. I'm going. I'm going straight. No, I, I, I totally get it. I mean, you don't want to force a like bold pick to happen when it's not there. Um, I don't know. You probably haven't seen it or looked ahead, but the week four slate by comparison is pretty nuts. Like it's money. Just off the top of my head, you've got Ohio State, Notre Dame. You've got Florida State, Clemson. You've got. Uh, it's got to be some other top twenty-five. Oregon UCLA, State, Utah. True. I mean, college game day is going to that Oregon State-Washington State game. Did you say that one? I didn't, but that one, yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, what do you do? You think Colorado is going to beat Colorado State this weekend? I guess that's another one. Yeah, I actually think Colorado. Look, I've watched both of their games all the way through, so I I, I do have opinions about them. Their defense totally stinks. Uh, Their run defense in particular. Oh, yeah. They just don't match up in the trenches, uh, and they didn't really against Nebraska for a lot of that game. Uh, but, but, outside weapons very good. Uh, Sanders very good, very strong for a college quarterback. Um, and and he might he might be a prize. I don't I don't know if he's eligible. I don't believe he is. I believe he was a freshman last year for. Yeah, so he's got to he's got to yeah. do another so year. He's, he's not which eligible is yet, so I'm I'm not beautiful even thinking about him as a college quarterback. But yeah, he's been fantastic, um, and he's really good at you know staying poised in the pocket even though there's a lot of pressure and he took some sacks I, I thought a lot of them were not on him uh, but when you've got you've got big playmakers like that you know you're you're going to be able to win a lot of the easier games you're going to be able to fight in a lot of the other ones but I think 
I think they're probably going to run into some some teams where they're just going to be, yeah, we can run and our, our quarterback isn't going to fumble two times and it's it's going to be tough to stop and you'll have to commit so much to stopping the run and then they're going to beat you over the top. It's yeah, tough. I think Colorado is going to be a total fast food team this year, man, where it's just like really flashy, really appealing to watch. They're going to have playmakers like making plays all over the place. But when it comes down to in the trenches – which is the name of this podcast, but when it comes down to in the trenches, your guys up front, the like protecting Shador, giving him time, and yeah, stopping the run game against a team that is legitimately organizing. Like I think, and I'm an Oregon State fan, so this might be. A little, I think if Oregon State played Colorado tomorrow, they are beating them like 42 to 20. Like this, the Oregon State O line would eat Colorado alive, and I think that people just haven't really taken note of that. They played a few teams that were very one-dimensional. Like TCU also had a Swiss cheese defense. They have a pretty le- lethal offense, but just Swiss cheese defense. And then with Nebraska, defense is solid, and we saw that for like a half. Like they were really solid, and then, but just offensively horrible with a quarterback that is prone to just turning the ball over virtually every play, it feels like. Yeah, it, it, it's... Um tough because Nebraska's defense played such a strong game but um you can't really say it because the wheels just eventually fell off from you know the offense giving the ball up over and over and over and it's it's really not their fault they were interesting though they they would they would play super conservative you can have everything underneath you want and you can we're gonna rush three and that really gave Colorado a time for a minute it really you know to sit there and to try to pick them apart and eventually things started to break down like you know, they had the breakdown in zone that led to the, the, the first touchdown, which was like that crosser that went way long uh, to the right of the end zone and all that stuff. True. But um, for a time there, it really worked. And I think a lot of that comes down to they were able to get pressure with three, like kind of kind of a lot. So I, I think Colorado, like the overall sentiment on them should be positive. They're way better yes. than they should have been already. Uh, but they play a very tough schedule. And I, I wonder if, if that's going to start to stack up against him a little bit. I mean, the the worst part about a story when it becomes, and, and this is across all sports, a story when it becomes so mainstream, the issue is you're going to get opinions from every single crevice and crack of the entire earth. And the ones that are going to be heard the loudest and seen the most are the most extreme opinions. So for Colorado, no one wants to hear, yeah, they're going to win seven, six games this year. Like, they look much improved. This is a pretty big story. You're only going to hear the Colorado is going undefeated. We're winning every game. And then the, oh, this team is garbage. Like, they're they're just terrible. They're going to lose eight games. And then there's there's the revisionist history thing where let's say Colorado wins five games, which is an incredible turnaround from the poverty team they had last year. There's going to be people that are going to be like, see, I, I told you, right. I told you. And it's just like, come on now. Right, so it, it's 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 a whole uh, disaster in a sense, but it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be so fun to watch, but speaking of fun to watch, we've got a couple games I have a feeling you'll be uh, keeping close tabs on, and, and those are your big three, the Spawn Hour games, as I've labeled them. Uh, first game, this is one you've noted that you may, may be in attendance at. I don't want to get anyone too excited. Miami of Ohio at Cincinnati. Uh, who's a player to watch here, and, and uh, what team are you leaning toward in this matchup? I'm leaning towards the Cincinnati Bearcats. In fact, what do you think the spread is for this game? I looked this up. What do you think it is? Honestly, I, I could see single digits. I could see like eight and a half. Really? 
Yeah, it's 14. I think that's crazy. I think they're going to oh. beat the brakes off of these dudes. I think that team, Miami stinks. And the Bearcats are actually, they, I, I, we were expecting them to win four games this year, to be completely honest. And they look fantastic. Emory Jones has been fantastic so far this year. Nothing he has. of it. And he was, he was great against Pitt. Cincinnati's defensive line is unbelievable. Uh, Dante Corleone is the player I'll name to watch. That's my absolute favorite. Um, he he is a total beast. Number two was 58 last year. His pro football focus is uh, second highest rated player in all of college football, I believe, defensively. Only behind Ivan Pace, keep in mind. Um, shout out. Shout out another Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. Miami, sh- Miami got bullied by... My, or Miami of Florida. They got completely crushed, and they didn't look dominant against UMass. I don't know why the expectation is that Cincinnati isn't going to come in and, and you know, at Nippert beat them like, like, a, like a not good MAC team, which they are. Yeah, you, you know, the reason I thought that spread might be smaller is because I believe it was only a 17-point spread when Miami-Ohio went to play Miami-Florida, which greatest that should be a yearly matchup if we're being real. It was only 17 in that game, and yeah, they looked pretty ugly, but I also think that that Miami team is pretty legit. And for context, UMass is one of those teams this offseason. They went and got like 20-plus guys through the portal, um, and they actually – UMass is not the same poverty team that they have been like recently. They actually have some dudes this year – uh, like you've never seen at UMass because they've actually never made a bowl game ever in their program's history, um, which is obviously not good. But, uh, you, you know, with Cincinnati, man, I was telling you, I, I think I sent you the, the receipts I had from earlier in the year, Satterfield and this defense and what he was doing at Louisville. Uh, Louisville, I get made fun of for how I pronounce that word so much. But uh, what what's your pronunciation of it? Louisville? 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 Now see, that's my I, I put like Louis. Uh, Louisville is what I do. I, I get it. <laughs> Thank, I appreciate. I, I I'm sorry. I just don't like I like I agree with you. Like Cincinnati is way better than they're supposed to be. They've got some concerns. I've got some concerns, but I, yeah. again, I I think we're gonna kill them in the trenches. I I. I I think they a lot of positions I had questions about. Cincinnati is actually way better than expected. Um, and and we we beat this team like fifteen times in a row. Yeah, well, I I think I'm I'm obviously picking Cincinnati too, but I do think I think Miami could potentially cover that spread because they they do have like a, a decent system and a decent team. They have been close, close, and I know it's not saying a lot because it's like the MAC, which is like the worst conference, but they've been close to like a MAC title game the last couple of years. They're they're not a joke Mac team necessarily. I'm not moved is all I have. Um, I'm, 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 I'm simply not. I I think again, Cincinnati is going to dominate them in the trenches. I've seen this story a hundred times. I don't care. We're going to kill those guys. You know, they had us as seven point dogs to Pitt, and Pitt was lucky that we didn't, we didn't cover that on our end. Basically. And we could have, we could have won that game by, 17 
So I, I think True. I think the books are still underrating Cincinnati, and I, I feel very confident that they're going to go in and take care of business against Miami. They certainly, that's a different story. But that, that, is, that is a different story. Hey, they avoid Texas, Texas Tech, Kansas State, TCU, uh, which is pretty great for your first they, year. They have such a favorable schedule. Their only game where it's like that's the one is at home. They could get it done. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to have the Cincinnati conversation if they get that game done because the schedule from there you know, is a bunch of teams that they could very easily lose to. I don't want to get too high on them again. I was expecting four wins. I'll be happy with a bowl appearance, but they're good. Over-under was four and a half. That was the easiest over of the entire offseason uh, for wins. But let's get to the next game. We got South Carolina at number one, Georgia. Matt, I know this is one you told me to highlight in my calendar, and uh, now that the week has come. Yeah, don't. <laughs> good Lord. What's your take? I mean, who's a player to watch? I think, I think, I think Carolina just lost too much on offense in the offseason. They just did. And the offensive line is just terrible. Rattler is, is trying his best. God bless him. <laughs> it would be a very Carolina Gamecocks thing to win this game and then finish with, like, seven wins. Uh, I've, I've seen it happen before. But I have very, very, very little faith in this one. Yeah, I think the most disheartening thing has to be you head into this game, you're thinking, okay, well, maybe, maybe the North Carolina defensive front was just that good. And then you turn and watch App State drop 47 on them in that double overtime thriller they played last week. And you go, oh, oh, no, like our, our O-line might be like really, really bad. So uh, probably going to get abused by Georgia. But, I mean, watch the first quarter, man. The Georgia has... I failed to jump out to big leads in the first quarter of their first couple games against like horrible teams. They played Ball State and UT Martin. I think Ball State they were tied like mid second yeah, quarter. Yeah, that, that, that game that game was tied like kind of far into it. Um, so maybe yeah, maybe one of those. South Carolina kills me. Why are we scheduling any real opponents out of conference? South Carolina has the most miserable schedule year to year of. Any team in college football, as far as I'm concerned, because you're in the SEC and you're playing Clemson out of conference. And I guess this year, you know, Clemson sucks and Dabo's a fraud and all that. <laughs> but you already have a tough out of conference game, one that's been a brutally tough out of conference game baked in every year. Give yourself ball state. It's okay. Nobody can say anything. And they scheduled North Carolina. Yeah, no, that's I mean that's pretty brutal. But I'm taking the dogs. It sounds like you're leaning that way as I'm well. In in that game, next matchup we've got Western Kentucky at number six Ohio State. Player to watch and uh, and uh, who's winning this one? Well, I think Ohio State is winning it, but it's not about winning it. It's about getting the looking style good points that they finally need. I mean, it's just got to be they got to unleash a little bit more. They got to. You, at some point, if you don't trust McCord to go out there and really push the ball down the field, you've already lost. It's like you're playing you're playing like it's already over and you can't do that. And Ryan Day getting up and being like, the clock rules, which I'm against. I'm <laughs> Shut up. Dude, you True. can't go and say that stuff. Everybody's playing with the clock rules. I understand, okay, maybe it'll only be a 50-point a, a win um, and, and, and you – don't take the charges out till a little bit later in the game. Fine, whatever. But it's it's not like that at all. I'm glad he settled on a quarterback, but the guy to watch is, is McCord. Um, and, and I guess I'd say the edge rushers as well, who have, have not been getting any pressure. 
um, they, they need to start really, really honing in. I, I think this Ohio State team has potential, like I do. If McCord, like if McCord and the offensive line of the defensive ends were talented, like if they could all get it a little bit together, it's not like in previous years where Ohio State was like, okay, well the corners are just a disaster, or okay, well the, the, the defensive line just doesn't like match up. Okay, it's it's over. It's not like that, but they've got a long way to go. They don't have a ton of time to do it. They pretty much they are who they are by the Penn State game. So. That's, that's, that's very much true. I think I think that's great analysis on the Buckeyes. I mean, uh, I've, I've been keeping an eye on the defense, really encouraged from what the defense looks like and what it can be with another year of Jim Knowles uh, at the helm. Um, and I think we'll actually learn a, a pretty good amount because Tyson Helton, Western Kentucky, Austin Reed at quarterback, they're a legit offense. Like, this is a better offense than some of the offenses Ohio State will be playing in the, pretty much any one of the Big Ten West, to be honest. So y- you'll actually learn a thing or two, I think, defensively in this game. Obviously, the main concerns have been on offense. Uh, I didn't even hear the, the Ryan Day clock rules uh, excuse. But, I mean, when you've got Syracuse and Oregon and Ole Miss dropping 70 in the same weekend, uh, I don't think that's a valid excuse at all. I'm not asking for 70 even, you know. It's like that's not even my point. It's just but like 35 against Youngstown State is not acceptable at all. You know, I, I don't I don't True. care if you're playing a half. It's not it's not good enough. So they just they just need to really to let it go. And McCord is is incredibly green and it will get better as the year goes on. We've seen this a million times. But um as it stands right now, it's it's just got to be more aggressive. Their third down pickup rate has also been horrible. Yeah, but you know they've got some time. That luckily they've got this little cushion. Uh, not unlike South Carolina, they they didn't schedule too tough out of conference this time. But uh, I mean there is that Notre Dame game waiting next week. But I want to do a, a little bit of NFL spotlight. Typically I I uh, keep keep the focus on college football. But since you're an NFL guy, and I know we're we're running a little longer on time than I I promised. It's just you know the technical difficulties we've been rolling in our conversation the the playoff talk it's how it goes but i, w- I want to hear who are uh who are the contenders uh maybe some sleepers nfl picks do you have a super bowl pick right now just just all that jazz oh the sleepers the contenders i mean my super bowl pick would probably be something really late i don't even remember what i picked for the super bowl <laughs> I think the Eagles or the 49ers will probably be back in the NFC. They're by far the top two contenders. The Cowboys could be up there too. I think they look pretty good. Um, but they're sort of like a tier below, I think. But And then <laughs> everybody else in the NFC is sort of – they could maybe do something interesting in the playoffs, and it's the NFL, so anything could happen. But I don't, I don't view them as the top guys. And then the AFC, you know, Chiefs, Sneaky Jaguars – Almost the entire AFC North outside of the Steelers is at least interesting at some level. And then the Bills are, are, are the Bills. I would have said the Jets earlier, but with no Rodgers, they're cooked. Yeah, that was a tough injury to see, man. Um, I, I think the Packers could be for real this year at least, though. But uh, I definitely was I rooting Packers, for Rodgers. I think the Packers are, are going to be a little bit better than people expect. But... Um, I, I do think they've still got some holes, and Jordan Love is still, you know, only a first-year guy. We'll see how the receivers come along for them. That that'll be a big deal. We will see. Romeo Dubs is is basically Devonte Adams. I think we've all all seen they're that. Saying. We've seen the flashes. That's what they're saying. But uh, let's jump forward. We'll we'll uh, 
skip over a little bit. The uh, Last Dance Tour, uh, Matt, I don't know if you've heard. It's pretty pretty prestigious, pretty out there, getting talked about a lot. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's the tour we do each week where we go to a game. This week, the Last Dance Tour is headed to Tempe, Arizona, to watch Fresno State take on the Sun Devils. And so, Matt, as the honorary guest picker, we got one more pick left for you to make. Who do you have in this matchup? I'm picking against ASU. They stink, I'm afraid, and they <laughs> they blew it. I was I was looking into like how, when's the last time that all of Stayhot's teams won football wise all on the same weekend, which is a pretty long list. It's like eight teams because it's the yeah. three of us and our NFL teams: Packers, Browns, Panthers, and it's my three teams: Miami of Ohio, which is where Bladen went, and um, ASU, which is where Theo went. When's the last time you think that happened? Let's say 2017. It's never happened. It's never happened. Wow, I didn't know Bladen went to Miami of Ohio. There's got to be some bad blood in this this game this week. Oh, oh yeah. Well, it's this. This is what I'm saying though. Is like when we go to the game together, they don't even. It's like not even a big deal to them because Miami, like they know they're gonna lose. They True. Stink. True. But we're 14 point favorites. Put all your money on that if you're listening. All your money. All your <laughs> okay. Money. Hey, we're getting to the betting locks in just a second, but I'm also fading the Sun Devils, oh, uh, to be fair. Yeah, Fresno I, I State. Just think, I think they're bad. G- my guess whole how point m- was is that we were getting pretty close to having like a, a, a really good run by all of our teams winning, and then ASU blew it in the second half last year. They're That's 100% good. true. Yeah, 100%. Um, guess how much tickets are for this game right now? $4, $10. It, it was much. 6 Yeah, there we go. You balanced it out. It was $6, $6 but, yeah, not much at all. Uh it's pretty pretty laughable for a power five team. Come on. What are we doing? What are you watching ASU for, man? It's it's just uh it's 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 hard to justify. Six dollar tickets though. You can't beat that. You literally cannot beat that. I have season tickets though, it just shows that, that those were a poor investment. I could have just gone to each game for <laughs> for eight bucks. Uh how next much, how much were the season tickets? Uh, I got like the alumni discount, so they were like one fifty for eight home games, which isn't bad. So, Un- under like twenty bucks a game, it's actually not bad at all. But uh, we got we got some betting locks to throw out. It sounds like uh, you may have one already in the chamber there uh, with the Cincinnati minus fourteen. But but you got another one you want to give the people? Uh, yeah. I'll, can I give you some NFL ones? One hundred percent. Any sport you can give me some give me, give future me the, NBA give me the Packers against the spread. One and a half against Atlanta. I think they got that. Give me the Eagles uh, minus seven against Minnesota. I think Minnesota is very weak this year. I think their offensive line is going to struggle greatly against the Eagles. And I think their defense, outside of one uh, amazing, wonderful, undrafted free agent uh, linebacker, is not very good. (laughs) There we go. I mean, I I think those are some good locks there. I'm going to take Maryland minus 14 against Virginia. Virginia is dreadful this year. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch them. They're awful. I, I actually, uh, my mom went to Virginia. I, I, I do keep up. Not good. No, they're they're horrible. Their coach, Tony Elliott, also not good. Former Clemson offensive coordinator. Uh, they lost to James Madison last week. Uh, I think if they played Old Dominion this year, they would lose to Old Dominion. I think they are the worst team in the state of Virginia, and I, I frankly don't think it's it's very close, even though Virginia Tech isn't great either. But uh, for, the other one is Fresno State minus four and a half. I really think that uh, they'll cover against Arizona State, and it'll give me an extra little something to watch when I'm at the game. There you go. 
That's what you got to do so, sometimes. That's what I'm going to do with the Miami Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, you just got to throw some money down just just for a little bit of extra excitement when that's going down. Absolutely. So here we go. The way we like to end the show usually with a guest, Matt, is with some fact or fiction. So as this is going to work is I'm going to deliver uh, about eight or so statements. Uh, they're not all going to be college football related. Uh, they're just going to be kind of all over the place. Uh, and you're just going to tell me whether it's fact or uh, fiction. Sounds good to me. All right, let's 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 start. Uh, fact or fiction, the winner of the NFC South this year will win a playoff game. I'd, I'd be inclined to say that's fiction. Um, however, I actually picked two NFC South teams to make the playoffs. Wow. So that, I mean, yes. if it's just an their NFC. Schedules, it's the Saints and the Falcons, both their schedules are terrible. And I think they've got just enough juice to get over. You know, one of them has to make it, and then the other one I could see getting like nine wins and that being enough in the NFC. So that's a fact then? Well, that they'll win a playoff game? or That, that they'll win a playoff game. I, I say fiction. Okay, fact or fiction. Emory Jones earns all conference honors. All conference I'm going to say fiction. Well, there's three. I, yeah, I'll say fact. He's good. Okay, all right. Got to give Emery his his love there. Fact or fiction, uh, you will miss a college football pick you made on this show today. Oh, that's fiction. <laughs> okay, fact or fiction. very easy. Th- this one might be one you have to think about. Fact or fiction, Shane Beamer will still be South Carolina's head coach in 2026. 2026. I'm going to say fact. Wow, there we go, Beamer ball. I I think the the path for them is a little tough because it's like every year they just play such a tough schedule, and it's like you're always going to have these SEC juggernauts you go against. But I think the recruiting, it seems to me, has been headed a little bit in the right direction. Yes. And the players seem to really rally around him too. To, to ding him during the rebuilding process, which we're still very much in, for like maybe winning seven or six games this year would be wrong by South Carolina. And really, there's very few coaches who would be able to just build up this program instantly and, and, and linearly, I guess. Uh, very true. I agree. I'm rocking with Beamer Ball through 2026. Fact or fiction, Kyle McCord will, when he graduates or when he declares for the draft, uh, he'll be drafted in the first two rounds. It's really early. My gut tells me right now, fiction. Okay, fact or fiction, Urban Meyer will one day coach again. Probably fiction. He's getting up there, man. It's 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 it, been a while. it's been a while too. It has been a while. We'll we'll see if he ever, you know, break out the cleats again and hop back on the sideline. Maybe, maybe the Buckeyes, maybe if they fire Ryan Day, they just go right back to the old Urban well. Who knows? Uh Either fact or, or fickle or Vrabel or something. <laughs> Uh, true. If if you got fickle back in the uh, the rotation of your teams, that'd be nice. Factor fiction: the Charlotte Hornets will lose a play-in game this year. Uh, fact. All right. Factor fiction. Well, I, I, <laughs> what are you saying? I'd say I, I I think they'll win more regular season games than people expect. I do. I don't think they're quite as bad as they showed last year. They were so injured, and everybody was just like, "Dumb Hornets, they suck." Which, fair enough, I get it. But <laughs> I think they'll make a play-in game and then lose it probably. What's what's the uh, over under looking like for their win total this year? The my over under or like the actual over under? Like what's the actual one? And then the I actual guess yours. one is thirty games, which is psychotic in my opinion. They won twenty seven last year, and they were sending out lineups with no Gordon Hayward, no Terry Rozier, 
you know, no Bridges and no Lamelo. I mean, it's it, they they were down to, to scraps at the end. Is Bridges of the actually back this year? Yes. That's that's good. Back. It's it's yeah, it's very annoying they didn't just let him walk. But what can you do? I, over thirty, actually, I kind of like that bet. Maybe maybe that's one to ride with. Uh, Factor fiction: getting rid of divisions is good for college football. Divisions, as in. Like, within the conference. Like, you've got the Big Ten West right now. Oh, I think fact. Okay, good. That's glad we're on the same page here. Last one, last but not least, Georgia. Fact or fiction, Georgia is winning the national title this year. I'm going to say fiction. I think I like the field a little bit more than Georgia this year. I don't think uh, they're quite on the level they were before. They should be the favorite, but I think I like the field better. Okay, I like that pick, and I'm rocking with you with the field as well. Matt, it was it was a show that went an hour long. We had some technical difficulties. We touched on, on all the important schools. You threw up some bulletin board material that we will certainly revisit in the later episodes of this show. But uh, appreciate you coming on, man. And, and do you have any parting thoughts for the people that are, are not live anymore but for later on when they're listening back to the podcast? I don't think I do. Go to Cincinnati if, if you're in the area. Cincinnati's a great school. Go to Cincinnati. That's that's my advice. I love it here. I love the school. It's awesome. And you get to root for a great football team, which is what really matters. Okay, Thanks, there Matt. we go. Yeah, of course, Matt. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was great to have you on. And uh, after a, like I said, another back-to-back hour-long shows with the guest going from Rico Nose to Matthew Sponauer, we'll be announcing the next guest for next week. Uh, on the Monday show, but we've got a full slate of college football ahead. Matt, thanks again for coming on, and that does it for In the Trenches. You guys have a great week.